Welcome to Rainmakers. Now to our host, Carl Grant. Welcome to Rainmakers. I'm here with Bill Collier, director of the Maryland Venture Fund. And Bill, you've got duties beyond your the Maryland Venture Fund. So why don't you go ahead and give us the full scope of what you do? Thanks, Carl. Yeah, so I am the director of Maryland Venture Fund, focusing on business development. Uh, and the same goes with the Tedco Seed Fund, which is an earlier stage seed focused fund, and the uh, Tedco Builder Fund, which is a DNI focused fund. So uh, super excited to, to support all three of those platforms. And so for our listeners who don't know what DNI is, that's diversity and inclusion. And this has become a big thing in the investment community and uh, and a focus of a lot of funds. So appreciate you laying all that out for us, Bill. So Bill, venture capital is the hardest industry in the world to break into as far as I know. So I imagine you had to do a bit of networking and getting to know the right people to break in. Tell us about how you went about doing that. Yeah, totally. So the the story that I had to uh, share with 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 my network and uh, the skills that I leveraged and leaned on to secure my role uh, were heavily in sales. Right. So right out of college, I had a SaaS software uh, sales role with a local startup called WeddingWire. Um, extremely transactional uh, role, closing three to five deals deals a day. Um, getting in front of people that may have not even have heard of the product and closing them on the spot. Um, and the reason why uh, my current uh, team was interested in having me join the team was because they needed someone who was going to pound the pavement and get build pipeline and get deals in front of the team. Um, in terms of how I got the role, it's actually funny because I know we're going to touch on this later, Carl, but my wife was at a networking event at Cooley Capital Call event uh, and met um, a few team members from, from Maryland Venture Fund. Um, and that's how I got the role. Um, I got uh, had an introduction through my wife and uh, the rest is history. Well, so why don't we go ahead and skip ahead? So I, I think she also enlisted me to put in a good word for you at the time. So <laughs> that that's how this goes. And we, we So in full disclosure, Angie Collier, who was on uh, two previous episodes ago, is your wife and she is a connector. And so yep. you've benefited from being married to a connector. So talk a little bit more about that. And do you just sponge off, off of her relationships or do you actually go out and develop your own? <laughs> I try, look, I, it's a, it's a symbiotic relationship, right? If it was one, if it was a one-way street, um, it wouldn't, it wouldn't work out. And, and um, no, we, we help each other. We uh, put each other in contact and in touch with, with warm leads, um, and uh, try to support each other uh, the best we can, uh, from deal flow to introductions uh, to supporting and, and helping execute projects. So it's actually really funny because um, the episode that you and Angie recorded, it kind of resonated with me because pre-COVID, we were out at events together. And I saw her, you know, this is my wife, right? But I also so, so saw she, her. As, she was your business development date, huh? <laughs> exactly, exactly. So she is oh, my yeah. business development date, my wing woman, right? And yeah. we would be like, we would lay out the plan. You'd say, hey, I want to talk to this many people, or I want to meet five net new companies tonight, and we're not leaving until we do that. Right. And, and this is, we might this is get so to three, funny, Bill, because right? this totally validates the whole thing we talked about, Angie and me, right? <laughs> yeah. Angie's own husband goes out as a BD date with her. So, so yeah, thanks for sharing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, it's pretty funny. Yeah, no, she, 
She's great. So, and then you also involved my spouse in in an event that you did some time back, uh, where you had her make a presentation. And so, it's all in the family. Yeah, it's all in the family. And look, that's what it's all about, right? Growing that that ecosystem, knowing who the point people are, and who you can point uh, companies that need specific and tailored support. You wanna you wanna you wanna put quality company and quality deals in, in front of quality people and be impactful on both ends, right? And, and that's how it kind of worked out with you, Jeannie, um, Angie, it's, it's all in the family. And Carl, the, the cherry on top is being able to work with, network with and spend time with in a prof- professional sense with people you enjoy being yeah. around too, right? So that yeah, it no. just makes it that much more fun. Yeah, your, your wife is a blast to hang out with. So look, Bill, you've got to, at the end of the day, you've got to show up with great companies to invest in them. And there's a lot of um, investors vying for those companies. How do you network to find those companies? And, and what do you do to make sure that you're in the flow? Good, good question, Carl. Um, it really comes down to just being out there in the market, being present, being at events like you know, Cooley Capital Call that are staple events for, for the region and, and now nationally uh, because you, you expanded it. Um, and being there, making the connections, having the robust networking ecosystem built. So when someone says, hey, I've got a Maryland-based tech company, who, who do I put them in touch with? I need to be top of mind for all of those players in the ecosystem and be the automatic guy that they funnel those deals to. But if you're not out and if you're not building your brand and if you're not top of mind for people, um, then then you're going to lose out on deals. And how do you stay in touch with those people? Because look, for the past year, most of us haven't been out. We've <laughs> because of yeah. COVID, we've been we've been less out. So, how do you stay top of mind with those people? You know what I like to do is set up either monthly or quarterly touch points with with my friends and, and colleagues and uh, have Zooms, maybe even working lunches where over the lunch hour, we keep it really casual and catch up um, on everything from the, the latest and greatest on Netflix shows to uh, deals that we're working on. Um, and having those touch points is extremely, uh, again, important for staying top of mind. So Bill, so look, you, you get a company, not all of them are a fit and, um, and, and you pass on some of them. Do you just pass? Do you just say, I don't like your company? Or do you try to find other places to send that company to generate, you know, goodwill? Yeah, great question, Carl. So look, I see, me and my team see thousands and thousands of deals a year. We can only invest in a handful of them, maybe 10 to 15 a year, right? So a small percentage of everything we see. So what I like to tell companies and, and, and other investors is, I help more companies than the companies that I invest in. Because if I, if I only helped those that I'm cutting checks for, I'm not doing my job. So what I try to do is identify other ecosystem players, connectors, other investment funds that are a good fit for those uh, companies and try to make a warm introduction. And, and I want to I wanna double click on this a little bit, Carl, because a lot of it comes down to quality, right? your mm-hmm. brand and when people think of you you want to make sure that they they know that if you're sending them something that you did a little bit of diligence a little bit of vetting and you're sending them a quality lead so that's something that i try to focus on uh, a lot before making an introduction 
Yeah. So, Bill, that, that what you said reminds me of when I was back at PricewaterhouseCoopers many years ago. This was back during the first internet boom, and we were seeing so many companies that it was, you know, <laughs> it was crazy. I mean, everybody had a, you know, you could get a web domain and, and raise three million dollars back back in those days, and. Wow. But most of those weren't they, they weren't a fit because because we only wanted to take on companies that could go public, right? And so almost everything that came to us was was a no. And so we had to come up with a way to just like you, you see a thousand companies and you can how many investments do you do a year? Probably across all of the funds, let's say uh, twelve to eighteen to twenty, twelve to twenty. Or so. Yeah. So you're you're saying a lot of no's, right? And so we were rejecting a lot of companies and and we so we wanted to do it in a way that was nice. And so we developed this this big manual that you know, because I had five interns working for me at the time. It was called the reject referral manual. And (laughs) and literally (laughs) new interns can come on and and you know learn like if we get a company that does this, but it doesn't, you know, doesn't quite have these characteristics what to do with it, like who in the community could deal with these earlier stage companies. And we actually made a lot of good friends that way. And you'd be surprised how many came back later with their act together with a new company on a new management team or with an improved business plan. And it really paid to take the time to just not, you know, brush them off. And so oh, I, I take Carl, it, Carl, you probably, I, yeah. Yeah. And I got to tell you, that's been a story for us, right? Um, that's been a, a trend, if you will. So we've, made two investments the last quarter um, and we've known these entrepreneurs for two plus years and it's mm-hmm. exactly how you explained it the first time we talked to them they were a little early for us they needed to work out some kinks they needed to hone their strategy a bit but over the last two and a half years or so we've really seen them improve uh, got to know them and, and watch them pivot and excel and we're we're happy to say that hey Now's the right time to engage. And we actually made uh, a few investments um, that kind of fit that that storyline and profile. Um, yeah. So it's great. That's a great story. And then also you you mentioned the diversity inclusion companies, right? So so th- these these companies that are that are led, say, by a black entrepreneur, a Hispanic entrepreneur, a female entrepreneur, like n- nowadays investors really want to invest in these companies, right? It wasn't always this way, but but you're looking for these deals and, and a lot of funds like yours have a mandate to do these deals, but not every one of them is going to be a fit for you. Like if, you know, you have one that's doing some services business that's not really a venture fit, but you want to take care of that entrepreneur, right? You don't want to just say no, right? Correct. And so, so do you go out of your way to try to find, you know, especially with your diversity and inclusion fund to find others that might be a fit? Because there are other resources out there, you know, to, to do these things. Yeah, exactly. And, and what we aim to do is support all businesses, all technology-based companies, businesses, entrepreneurs, despite background. Um, we, we are here to help companies get to the next level. And like you mentioned, if, if for whatever reason, it's not a good fit for us, what I do is I get on my uh, LinkedIn and start to do a little bit of research and try to find who the right connector, who the right potential fund is to support that entrepreneur. And outside of my three funds that I support at TEDCO, mm-hmm. we do have other programs that support entrepreneurs and companies and help them improve their pitch, help them with strategy, help them with uh, their, their product roadmap. So outside of just the funding, 
Tedco has a lot of resources to support um, all entrepreneurs. So I, I noticed you're starting to take board observer roles and pretty soon you'll be sitting on boards. So one of the things venture capitalists try to do to di differentiate themselves, because some of these situations are competitive, right? You, you may be trying to get a deal that another fund wants to get. And, and, and so you're trying to, to show them that you're the better choice. So what kind of things do you do as a value add as a board observer today and a future board member? Yeah, good question, Carl. So uh, again, yeah, we, we only take board observer roles. Um, but some things that we, we try to do is um, give recommendations for potential other advisors or board members that could be value add to that company, right? Because we are um, the most active investor in the region, we have a lot of those relationships, right? Um, CEOs that have had prior exits and successful uh, mergers and acquisitions, um, other uh, investors who have operating backgrounds who might be able to be helpful from an advisory or a, a board role. So making those connections is, is hugely value add, especially for those earlier stage companies. And that's what so we look to do. That's great. So so we're, we're coming out of the, the whole COVID era, at least I'm in Texas and now we're out of it, but it, you, you're, you guys are coming out of it. How do you see the landscape being different and what, what types of things do you see yourself doing over the next several months? Well, look, um, you know, the last year has been crazy. Um, it's been a lot to uh, adjust to, uh, a lot more virtual events, a lot more Zooms and Skypes and phone calls, where, whereas I would just meet someone face-to-face -face for a coffee uh, or a lunch um, or a drink. Um, you know, people are getting their second shots now. Um, my understanding is, especially in the region, that some of these in-person events on a smaller scale are going to start uh, opening up and start occurring again um, this summer. So look, I'm looking forward to it. Um, you know, uh, I think it's a good thing. I think it's an important piece of, you know, uh, a business development and, and someone who sources deals um, routine and um, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But yeah, things are definitely starting to, to open up from a, from an events perspective up here um, which is, uh, which is a, a breath of fresh air. And Bill, what advice do you have for a, a young person who wants to, you know, listen to you today? They, they say, I want to do that. What, what would you advise them to do now? You know what? I think keep an open mind, talk to as many people and network with as many people that are willing to, uh, speak with you and have that meeting with you. Um, and also keep it light, keep it fun, right? Life is too short. You got to enjoy what you're doing and you got to try to work with people that you enjoy working with and spending time with, right? So when you have these conversations, let your personality shine through um, and, and keep it, keep it, you know, keep it fun. That's great advice. Bill Collier, thank you for joining me on Rainmakers. If you like what you heard today, please subscribe, please rate it and share it with your friends. Thanks, Bill. Thanks, Carl. You have been listening to Brainmakers with Carl Grant.